helping students and healthcare professionals not just survive, but thrive with a purpose. This is the CMDA Student Pulse Podcast with your host, Bill Reichart, National Director of CMDA Campus Ministries. Well, welcome to another episode of CMDA's Student Pulse Podcast. I'm Bill Reichert, National Director for Campus and Community Ministries here at CMDA. My guest today is Dr. David Beta. Dr. Beta is a retired pediatric intensivist and now is the chair professor of Department of Bioethics and Medical Humanism at the University of Arizona College of Medicine. Dr. Beta is a visiting scholar at the Center for Clinical Bioethics and a visiting fellow at the Rose Kennedy Institute of Ethics at Georgetown. And Dr. Beta has written three books, one of which we're going to kind of do a deep dive and talk about is Covenant Medicine. And so, Dr. Beta, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate that. Well, like I said, we're going to we're going to cover a lot of ground here on your book, Covenant Medicine. And um, I guess the best way to tee it up is... Why don't you define what you mean by covenant medicine, and and how is that different than a contract? Well, I think I think uh, from my perspective, a contract is, is essentially a binding relationship between two people that there's an expectation of success, and if there's no success, it's considered a failure. Where a covenant uh, relationship is based on trust, integrity, dignity, mutual understanding of each other, based on humility. Uh, so in medicine, if you have a contract between a patient and a physician, the patient expects that there is going to be a cure. There's going to be a success, a successful outcome. Uh, and if not, the physician is at fault. But if there's a covenant relationship between a physician and a patient, the issue is the patient trusts the physician to do the best that the physician can do. And the physician trusts the patient to uh, be a good steward of uh, what the patient, what the physician is, is, is helping the patient go through. So yeah, the, the idea of a covenant uh, approach being different than a contractual would be, you know, so often we would probably see medicine framed up in this kind of transactional relationship. Goods and services are being exchanged in this, but you see it not as that and should be that it should be this covenant relationship let me i want to quote this from your book which i just i thought really kind of honed in on this idea covenants are all about caring a deep sense of caring a fundamental difference between a contract and a covenant is a is that a contract is formed between two persons with written spoken or even unspoken agreed upon terms it's this idea of relationship i hear you saying so in this covenantal approach it's about establishing that relationship. Yeah, it's, it's essentially like the, the subtitle of the book is being present when present. If you're present with your patient, uh, then you are engaged in that covenant relationship. You are essentially uh, a servant to your patient, which mm-hmm. is servanthood. You know, this whole concept of being what uh, everyone calls physicians a healthcare provider mm. implies a contract. In other words, the physician will provide whatever the, the patient wants. When right. in fact, we're healthcare professionals, we're healers, we're caring healers uh, to the best of our ability. And that removes this whole concept of providing something, which is goods and services. Mm. So, in a covenant relationship, by being present when present, uh, we are there uh, as servants uh, to those who come to us for help. It seems like what you're saying is a very historic understanding and view of how you know, medical students in particular have been trained up in the practice of and the calling of medicine. But it seems like that that is a unique challenge to see lived out in this day and age, this idea, this approach of a covenant approach. What, 
I, I assume you'd agree with that statement and then maybe speak into why, why, why is that a challenge? What are the challenges that medical professionals uh, have in, in, in exercising this covenantal approach? I think there's several. Number one is technology. There is this whole, what we call the technolo- technological imperative that if we have the technology available, then we must use it and not consider uh, the fact that it may not be necessary. That is simply a convenience. So uh, that's one thing which kind of takes away from us being caring healers. We're providers. I will provide the technology that is out there. You know what? Because it's there. So let's go ahead and use it. And the other is uh, the other reason is this whole concept of uh, the lack of the narrative. Medicine today is focused on the disease when we really should be focused on the patient's illness. Hmm. We know what the disease is. Um, you know, we make a diagnosis. You know, you have, you have, uh, you have ulcers. Uh, that's the diagnosis. But there's an underlying illness that the patient has, and that's the illness that we need to seek out. Why does the patient have an have an ulcer? What's going on with that patient's life? Are they stressed? Did they lose a job? Did they get? Uh, did they, have they just become divorced? Uh, that's their illness. So I can I can deal with their ulcer. I can prescribe, so to speak, a, a medication for their ulcer. But does that really help their illness? And so we we have lost that concept of the art of medicine, which is having this deep dive into being present when present with patients to explore their illness and simply touch the surface of the disease by making a diagnosis and going for the cure. The whole issue is, what's more important, curing or caring? Mm. Well, I think curing is obviously important because you want the patient to be healthy, but unless we care about and care for the patient as to why they have that disease, you know, we lose sight of uh, what our role is as a caring healer. Well, how do you imagine we recover this idea? I mean, with because you mentioned technology and, and there's so many pressures and, 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 and kind of strong headwinds that are fighting against our ability to practice medicine in that way, how do we recover that? What are the ways we can recapture that again, do you see? I think it's a very, it's a tough ha- a, a taskmaster. Yeah. So because of what we have in place, which is the technology, electronic medical records, the, the limited time we have to spend with, pay, with physicians, even trying to get through to a physician's office without going through five different levels of press one if you want this, press two if you want that, it's hard to do that. Plus remember that with the generations of physicians, the medical students that are coming up, they are centered on technology, texting. We have found that with medical students who are used to texting even to each other, sitting next to each other, that they may not have an appreciation for uh, having a face-to-face relationship with another person and engage in a conversation it's interesting that conversations today, for the most part, even with us adults, as we've learned this, who are engaged in this, a conversation can be 15 text messages back and forth, rather than getting on the telephone and having a phone call. It's easier to text message. So that's one of the things that we're trying to get past. Mm. And that is a change in the form of who we are thinking about. Yeah, it definitely has been a low-touch, high-tech environment we live in. And, you know, these are the waters that we're all swimming in. So then to make 
the practice of medicine somehow characteristically different is, is going against the very culture that we live in. So I would imagine there's got to be a degree of intentionality in, in doing this and in really seeking out what would be some best practices a, a physician would want to put into place that would help them be intentional because it's, it's maybe not going to be uh, uh, initially intuitive, but it's going to take some, some practice and exercise. Yeah, I think in, in, in the book, I write about that. And there's like a couple of aspects that one can deal with that. And that's accountability. Hmm. Are you accountable to your patient? Are you spending the time that the patient is wanting? In other words, being present when present and not being distracted and being truly, like we mentioned, being intentional, sitting down with a patient, not with your computer in front of you, but having a conversation rather than typing on your computer, which is kind of helping with what we call scribes now, where someone's in the back typing for you. But, you know, that in and of itself also causes some distraction, right? Because you're you're having a conversation, uh, being present with present with a physician of some really intimate issues about your illness. And you have somebody sitting off to the side, listening and taking notes, and you have no, no clue who that person is. Uh, years ago, you know, how did we practice medicine, even in critical care, was listen to the story. Tell me your story. And then you went afterwards and you wrote this narrative, right? You had progress note papers where you could write the narrative. Electronic medical records now give you maybe four lines to put down what the story is. And so that's what we're talking about is being present when present to listen to the story that the patient's telling you about their illness. If you're a good physician and, you know, through our training, we are, I believe, we'll make a diagnosis the best way we can. Uh, and we'll use technology when it's necessary. We'll do a deep dive into the patient's story to gain their trust. Tell me, tell me what I'm missing as I listen to your story. Am I missing anything? Do you trust me enough to tell me everything? because I'm here with you. Those are the things that we are trying to teach our medical students to do. Yeah, what I hear you uh, really addressing are the, the uh, basic interpersonal skills, uh, the yep. opportunity to be an active listener, to uh, be curious, to ask good questions. It really does sound like the very nature of the whole person care too, as you mentioned earlier in your illustration with an ulcer. I mean, we are not merely physical, but there's the, the emotional and the spiritual, and there's a lot of things at play. And uh, I, I hear you drawing those things together as an account of that as a physician, we need to be able to uh, embrace all of that. And that's what covenant medicine seems to uh, indicate. Yeah, I think when I wrote the book, Covenant Medicine, Being Present When Present, it's centered around the concept of humility. If you read the book, you'll notice that in the very beginning with some of my stories, I was a God in a white coat. It was all about me, pride and ego. Look at me. I'm this savior, et cetera, only to have my hand slapped multiple times until I realized, no, I'm not a God in a white coat. And that's where the humility of being a physician comes into, the, into play. If we realize that we as physicians are servants to those who come to us for help, and understanding that this interpersonal relationship that I as a physician have with my patient is one of humility. I am here with you to the very end. From time zero, from the minute we meet until it's over, so to speak, we're in this together. And that's a lot different than being the God in a white coat walking in and saying, hello, I'm Dr. Beta, uh, tell me what's wrong. Uh, and 
10 minutes later, you write a prescription and off you go. Yeah. So yeah. that's really kind of what it centers around. Yeah. Now, uh, you know, the idea of humility is not uh, an easy uh, character quality to necessarily come across. I know that we, as Christians, we are uh, we are exhorted to be humble, uh, obviously, in, in, in understanding our position before God, our creator. And, and there's, a, there's a sense of humility that's bred in that context. But I assume that the things we're talking about, are they just are they just intrinsic with Christ followers who are physicians or can these this practice of covenant medicine go beyond that? Or is it constrained by the nature of who we are as Christ followers practicing medicine? My experience has seen that Christ followers are more open to the covenant relationship. And I'm probably stepping out on a limb and get a lot of pushback because there are many physicians. And I, I will tell you that I've experienced many physicians who are not faith-based, hmm. who embrace the covenant relationship, struggle with the limitations that are put upon us as physicians. For example, with our CMDA, medical, our medical student group, interest group, you know, they, they're focused from a Christ-based centered uh, approach to patient care. They have questions that uh, are asked. In other words, uh, one of the questions that comes up often is, can I pray with my patient if they are not faith-based? And I write about that in the book. And the issue is, got to be careful. I think what we need to do is open the door a little bit to have a conversation. Uh, some of the things that I do that I share with others is uh, the minute I walk into a patient's room, I look for subtle signs of faith. Is there a Bible sitting on uh, the, the table next to them? What TV show are they watching? Those types of things. Uh, and I ask a question of every new patient, and that is, do you have a faith you turn to in a time like this? And uh, if they answer yes, then we explore that. Uh, if they say no, then I say, well, you know, if, if you ever ever want to talk about, about that in, in relationship to your illness, not to your disease, but to your illness, trying to stay away from being the forceful physician based on faith and opening the door for an honest conversation, which is the covenant. And I talk about this in the book, and I've talked about this before. For example, a, a, an ethical question. Can you pray for a patient without their consent? Mm -hmm. What happens if the patient's an atheist and finds out that you did? How do you go about doing that? I give a case to our students all the time in, in the ethics lectures, and that is, let's say you are uh, a well-known physician. You've been taking care of this patient for, for a long time, and the parents, and this is two weeks into the case, and the, pa and the parents say to you, you know, we really appreciate what you've done. You've, you've really done a lot of work here. We'd like you to pray with us. And the physician's an atheist. What does a physician do? Say, no, I, I don't believe in a God. I'm not going to pray with you. Or do you respect them enough to say, to be honest with them and say, thank you for that opportunity. I will be happy to be here with you while you pray out of respect and dignity. That's humility. Uh, there's no reason to kind of explore the fact that you don't believe in a God, but you do have that respect and that humility of the covenant, and that is trust and respect and dignity. I will be here with you while you pray. Well, as you've referenced, Dr. Beta, that there's a lot more in this book, and you've uh, done a great job in, I think, giving us a good overview, and, and, and I think it will require our students to grab a copy. They can, and we'll put a link in the show notes, and they should be able to do a deep dive. You don't just talk about this in a didactic kind of a, a, a matter-of-fact way. You really do have the stories, and I think that's that's a key element is you're, you're putting – real experiences, anecdotes that really are very much a, a part of your experience as a physician and uh, make this real. 
knowing students are, are likely to, you know, they're going to pick up the book and, and they're, again, wherever they're at in their training, they haven't had a lot of clinical experience, but they are training, they are beginning to think critically on these issues. What would you recommend for them to do in this course of their training to begin to develop this humility, perspective, posture of covenant and approach to medicine? I think what I, what I share with the students is that the minute you begin to enter into patient's room, identify it as a sacred place. If you think about it that way, if a patient's room is a sacred place, then you will immediately begin to feel that humility, that you will begin to feel that you are now entering into the presence of something sacred of a patient who has an illness. One thing I said, just go into one of your patient's rooms who are heavily sedated on a ventilator who cannot communicate with you. Just do one thing. Just hold their hand and feel how vulnerable you are. But what a privilege it is to be doing so. Mm-hmm. That's how the students should really begin to start. Think about their patients being in a sacred place and that they are uh, caring healers, that they have a sense of humility and what a privilege it is to be able to be present when present. Mm, that's a great final word and uh, a great admonition to uh, to our listeners, to those watching. And, uh, and I hope people will have a chance to get a copy of the book and do a deep dive and really wrestle through the things that you lay out there in, in your book, Covenant Medicine. We'll put a link in the show notes, but thank you, Dr. Beta, for your time and, and for the dedication you're making in training the next generation of healthcare professionals there at the University of Arizona and for your work on our ethics committee and CMDA. You, you are serving the Lord in so many ways and we greatly appreciate uh, your faithful service. So thank you. Thank you so much. Appreciate the time. This is the part of the podcast where we tell you some things that you need to know. The first is the Remedy Missions Conference. If you're thinking about missions, want to learn more about missions, how you can do it, either walking across the street in your community or around the world, this conference is for you. April 14th to the 15th at Liberty University. To get more information and how to register, go to remedy.cmda.org. And then I just want to remind you that our CMDA National Convention is coming up April 27th to the 30th in Cincinnati, Ohio. This is a fantastic opportunity to meet other Christian healthcare professionals. And we don't want you as a student to miss out on this opportunity. So we've got some special deals for you. Scholarship money that will cover your registration as well as parts of your housing and travel expenses. But to find out how to do that, how to get access to that scholarship money and to apply, you'll need to go to this website, cmdastudentlife.org slash NACON. And we'll make sure to put these links in our show notes as well. And then lastly, don't forget to download the CMDA Student Life app. On it is a host of resources, small groups, Bible studies, this podcast, and just so many tools and resources that are, that are important for you, your faith, and for your work with CMDA. So make sure you go on the App Store or the Google Play Store and simply search for CMDA Student Life and download the app. And as always, you can find us on our social media sites using the handle CMDA Student Life. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. 
Well, as always, we're just so thankful that you joined us for this episode of CMDA's Student Pulse Podcast. We look forward to talking to you next time. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time. CMDA's Student Pulse Podcast is a production of the Christian Medical and Dental Associations. The opinions expressed by guests on this podcast are not necessarily endorsed by the organization. CMDA is non-partisan and does not endorse political parties or candidates for public office. The views expressed on Student Pulse podcast reflect judgments regarding principles and values held by CMDA and its members.